Well, the entirety of Matthew chapter 26, if you read it carefully, you would see as a prelude to the death of Jesus. And especially the passage that we're going to look at today, verses 26 through 29, there we see Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper. In these verses, Jesus, He gives us a description of the Lord's Supper. And in doing so, Jesus uh, is saying to His disciples, and he, He's saying to us, something very important about the meaning of His death. And here's what I want to say. Unless we understand what Jesus is doing on the cross, we'll never be able to appreciate the cross itself. Unless we understand what Jesus was doing, we will never really appreciate what took place on the cross. You have to know what the cross is for before the cross means anything to you. The cross, uh, and again I'm not uh, throwing punches at you, if you wear one around your neck, that's perfectly alright, I think. The cross is more than the necklace that hangs around our necks or the cross that may be on our steeples or on our church signs. We have to know what the cross is for before the cross means anything to us. In order to better understand uh, verses 26 through 29, we have to know something of what's taking place. And we have to go back to verse 17 in order to understand what's taking place here. If you were to go back to verse 17 and read down to where we're at today, Jesus is with His disciples and they're celebrating the Passover. That's what's going on here. Passover was a night uh, that occurred some 1,500 years prior to this. The Passover, if you're curious, is found in the book of Exodus, the Old Testament, chapter 12. If you go there and read, you see that God promises His people that He would redeem them out from the bondage of slavery to Pharaoh and the Egyptians. God's made that promise. And God sent Moses to Pharaoh with the command to Pharaoh to let my people go. But we've read that or, and we understand and we remember that Pharaoh refused. So we know that God brought ten plagues of judgment on the land of Egypt, on on Pharaoh and the people of Egypt. And the tenth plague was the worst of those plagues. And in that plague, there was the death of the firstborn of Egypt. All the firstborn males of any family of the Egyptians, a curse was put upon them. They would die that night. And the night of that first Passover was the night of that tenth plague. And on that night, if you'll remember, God told the Israelites to do something. He told them to take a spotless lamb, kill that lamb, and mark their doorposts with the blood. They took a lamb. Each family had their a lamb. They killed that lamb, and they took the blood, and they put it over the doorposts of their home. And when God came in judgment, when He sent the death angel to, to take the lives of the firstborn son of any home, When the death angel came, when he got to the doors of the Jewish people and saw the blood over the door, what did the death angel do? He passed over that home, and he did so because of what? The blood on the doorpost. Thus, the Passover. That's what that word is pointing back to. The Passover meal was a time when the people of Israel would gather and celebrate 
their deliverance from the bondage in Egypt, but especially that night when God passed over because of the blood. And what made the difference between Israel, God's people, and the Egyptians was the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb saved the Israelite people from death. And as I've said, after this event, the people of Israel would be freed from Egypt. They would leave Egypt, and from that time forward, God gave them a command that they were to celebrate that time with what was called a Passover celebration. So, for 1,500 years, the Jewish people were devoutly, would devoutly gather in their homes. They would remember and celebrate that night in Egypt. Passover was always celebrated with a meal. A meal that Jewish people ate to remember God's deliverance from Egypt. In verses 17 through 25, Jesus is gathered with His disciples and they're celebrating the Passover meal. They're keeping that commandment of God. They are eating the Passover meal. However, after 1,500 plus years of Passovers, this would be the last God-commanded Passover that should ever be held. Some people continue to do this. It's not a commandment of God. And I'm going to try to explain that today, why we don't need to do the Passover meal anymore. Every Passover celebrated after this that people may do is not a commandment of God any longer. It serves no significant purpose. Jesus here celebrated the Passover as a way to bring it to its end. Remember that. Jesus was celebrating this as a commandment of God, but He was celebrating it for a purpose of bringing it to its end. Jesus now institutes the Lord's Supper, a supper that celebrates Jesus as the new Passover lamb. And that's what Jesus is going to explain to His disciples and that's what we need to understand as God's people today. So if you're looking at your handout, you see the main idea here. The Lord's Supper is a reminder of the meaning of Jesus' death and His return. When we get to verse 29, there's some glorious things that's going on in verse 29. The Lord's Supper is a reminder of the meaning of Jesus' death and His return. Verse 26, we have the meaning of the bread. Quite simple. That's what Jesus is doing here. He says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, He broke it, and He gave it to the disciples. That word's extremely important. He, he gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. As I said earlier, Jesus is celebrating the Lord's Supper. And notice the first words here in verse 26. Now as they were, what? Eating. They're, they're doing the Passover meal as they were eating. As the disciples began to eat or, or in the process of eating a meal, as they began to take the first bite, maybe as they're chewing on that roasted lamb, and I know it's near lunchtime and that's probably not a good thing to, to say. Maybe they were beginning in the middle or nearing the end. We don't know. We're not for sure. But as they're doing that, Jesus takes the bread and He breaks it and He gives it to them and He says, Take, eat, this is My body. Now bread was involved in the Passover meal as well. They, they were good Baptists. They never sat down to a meal unless there was bread on the table, right? They, there was bread there. So Jesus takes the bread. He blesses it. He breaks the bread and He gives it out to the disciples. He says, Take, eat, this is My body. 
It was the custom of the head of the feast or the father of the home, or in this case, Jesus, to pick up the bread, to break it, and eat it along with the lamb. And Jesus is following the, 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 the guidelines that were set in place to do the Passover meal. And Jesus, he gave thanks. He, he thanked God for providing the bread. But not only was Jesus giving God thanks for providing, but also thanks for delivering the people of Israel from slavery and from bondage, which is symbolized in the Passover meal. Jesus is giving thanks for the bread, but he's also thanking God for what? Deliverance from slavery to sin. He says there, or the text says, gives these words, and I keep repeating this, take, eat, this is my body. Jesus is emphasizing with those words what's going to happen the very next day. That's what He's telling them. And in fact, those words explain what Jesus is going to do on the cross. Jesus is doing several things at once and he, he institutes the Lord's Supper. He's linking the Lord's Supper with the celebration of the Passover. Remember, this Passover meal, this is the last one. It will never be a God-commanded meal to be set out again. And Jesus is instituting the Lord's Supper, which is to take the place of that. It's important that His disciples, it's important for us to understand that the, the death that Jesus is going to die is not an accident. It's something which He is accepting, which is part of the plan of God. And so Jesus is explaining what's going to happen to Him the next day, and He's doing so for the spiritual edification for His people. Jesus is instituting a new ordinance, which we celebrate today. We're going to celebrate this Passover, or this Lord's Supper that Jesus instituted to take the place of the Passover. In the Gospel of Luke, if you were to read uh, there in And concerning this same situation, Luke records Jesus as saying, Take and eat, this is my body, do this in remembrance of me. Jesus institutes an ordinance which all Christians are to observe in all ages. From this point forward, Jesus says, This is what you do to remember what I'm going to do tomorrow, to remember my death. And it's also a way for us to remember that Jesus not only died, or is going to die, but that He will come again. And that ordinance itself is designed to strengthen our faith and give us assurance. We, we don't do this as just some exercise because Jesus has commanded it. When we take the Lord's Supper today, there's things we need to be thinking. Jesus gives us this to strengthen our faith and to give us assurance of what we put our faith in and the fact that one day Jesus will come. And here's the way I want you to make an application. When you take the Lord's Supper this morning... You are doing so to remember the cross. That's what, it's, it's as simple as that. That's what you are doing. You remember Jesus giving His body for you. Remember what Jesus said? He said he, he broke the bread, He gave thanks for it, and then He gave it to His disciples and He says, Take, this is My body. You are to remember Jesus giving His body for you. And, and you do so in order to strengthen your faith. That's what the purpose of the Lord's Supper, that's why Jesus gave us this. And He says, as often as you do this, what did I put an emphasis on? Often. There's no prescribed time to do it, but I read that word often, and often means what? Often. We, we do it often. And as often as you do this, you do it in remembrance of me. Take, this is my body. You, you remember Jesus giving His body for you. 
You, you're doing the Lord's Supper this morning to, to strengthen your faith. It's, it's a reminder to you. And when you take the bread, when you take that wafer this morning, here's what you're doing. You are remembering Jesus gave His body for you. When you take that little wafer this morning, as stale as it may be, and you put that in your mouth, you, you go, the body of Christ, given for me. Can I tell you, that'll make that stale cracker go down a whole lot easier. This is the body of Christ. I'm symbolizing the body of Christ given for me. Um, I have to make an admission here. In this particular passage of Scripture, uh, for a long time, until this past week, I focused on Jesus breaking the bread. And what is it we always say when we talk about that? The broken body of Jesus. But if you read the Bible carefully... There wasn't a broken bone in the body of Jesus, was it? Jesus' body wasn't broken. It was given. Jesus doesn't say breaking the bread is the important thing. The word give is the important word here. He gives it to them and He says, This is my body. And the disciples, having celebrated this Passover meal... Forever how long they celebrate, they would have been stunned. They would have been startled by the dramatic change to focus on His body. Just think, they got food in their mouth, probably, and Jesus breaks this bread and says, Here, I'm giving my body for you. Take and eat this. Jesus is using the bread to point to two very important realities. He, he focuses His attention, obviously, on His body. Most of the times I said we focus on the fact that Jesus broke the bread and He gave it to the disciples. Often, you know, as I said, we say we, Jesus' body was broken. However, the emphasis here again is on the word give and not broken. Broke simply refers to what Jesus did with the bread. He broke it. Uh, some of you know this. They had one big piece of bread and Jesus had to break it off in order to distribute it. That's what the word's talking about. It's not talking about the body of Jesus. It's talking about the act that Jesus did. It simply refers to what Jesus did in order to distribute the bread. The thing we focus on is Jesus giving the bread and saying, take and eat. This is my body. Jesus says, I'll be giving my life, my body for you tomorrow on the cross. Give is the important thing. He's giving it to who? His disciples. And what is He telling them? Take. Take this. Secondly, Jesus focuses our attention on faith. Jesus is saying here that He will give Himself as a sacrifice for our sin. He's saying, believe, trust on what I'm going to do tomorrow on the cross for you. Trust that. Believe that. That's the attention He's drawing here. So, we make application of this when we read Jesus taking the bread and giving it to His disciples. Jesus is saying... To some of us here today, believe. Trust in what I did on the cross for you. Trust in my death for the forgiveness of your sins. I gave my body for you. That's what He's telling those disciples that night. That's what He's telling us here this morning. When we take the Lord's Supper and we partake and we take that bread, that's what Jesus is pointing us to. Christian, you're taking the Lord's Supper day as a reminder that you have turned from your sin and you've placed your faith in Jesus. That's what, when you take the cup, when you take the bread this morning, that's what goes through your mind. It's a reminder that I have turned from my sin and I place my faith 
in Christ. You take the Lord's Supper today as a reminder that because of Jesus, you are forgiven. You have the promise of eternal life. You have a glorious hope that you will never be separated from Jesus. It's a reminder that you're a sinner in need of a Savior and God provided the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. When you take the bread this morning, it's a reminder that Jesus gave His body for you. So here's what I want you to do this morning. When we pass the elements around, the two cups will be together, the wafer will be on the bottom, the juice will be on the top. When you take that wafer this morning, I want you to think. Not stale cracker, but the body of Christ. As you put that in your mouth, you're taking Christ. Not literally taking His body, but it's a symbol. It's symbolic of the fact that Jesus gave His body for you. Jesus gave us the meaning of the bread there, that the bread represents His body. Then in verses 27 through 28, we have the meaning of the cup. And He took a cup, and when He had given thanks, He gave it to them. saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. So now Jesus turns from the bread and He takes the cup. He gives thanks. And what does He do with it? He gives it to them. Now, this, this makes some of us uncomfortable. And we don't do this today for various reasons. But this cup was a common cup. Which means... It was passed around and everybody drank from the same cup. You're going, no, not going there. Neither am I. I don't want what you got. You don't want what I got. So we don't do that. But it was a common cup. It was passed around to everyone. The word gave has the idea that drinking was not optional. In other words, when the cup come by, you couldn't say pass. You, you, you took the cup. But Jesus says something that had never been heard before. Drink of it, all of you. And here's what they'd never heard before. For this is my blood of the covenant. Body given, bread. Cup, this is my blood of the covenant. And what Jesus is doing here, He's going back to Exodus chapter 24. If you were to go back there, verse 8, you'll find... Jesus' words here are basically a quote from Exodus chapter 24, verse 8. That's what He's saying. And what Jesus is saying is that when God made a covenant with man, blood was required to seal the covenant. When God made a covenant with Abraham, there was blood shed by animals. When God made a covenant with Moses, remember what we read in Hebrews chapter 9? We saw that there. When God made a covenant with Moses, blood was shed. When God made a covenant with Noah... There was a blood sacrifice that was laid on the altar. God required that blood be shed in making covenants with men. There was never a covenant made that there was not blood shed. And when when God brought about man being made right with him, what was the price that had to be paid? Blood. The covenant to redeem sinners was sealed with blood. The Jewish people knew that a relationship between God and man required a blood sacrifice. They knew that. If you were to read Exodus chapter 24 verse 8, here's what you would hear. Listen as I read this verse. Exodus 24 verse 8. This is the blood of the covenant. Let me say it again. Listen carefully. This is the blood of the covenant. Now look carefully at verse 28. Notice that Jesus 
makes one small but very important change to that phrase. Some of you are already picked up on it. Jesus doesn't say this is the blood of the covenant. Look at verse 28. What does He say? This is my blood of the covenant. Wow, what a difference one word makes. He's saying to the disciples, let me tell you something. I'm the one who through the shedding of my blood will bring about, look at verse 28 again, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for what? The forgiveness of sin. In order for God to make a covenant between man to redeem him from his sin, what had to be shed? Blood. And not just any blood, but it was the blood of Christ. In the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, as we read earlier, tells us that the blood of bulls and goats does not forgive sin. Remember hearing that? Jesus is saying, that's right, the blood of bulls and goats from the Old Testament sacrifices do not has not, will not, never will forgive sins, but my blood does. Jesus is saying, my death is going to be a covenant sacrifice which will actually bring about the forgiveness of sin. Jesus is saying to the disciples, He's saying to you and I today, when that cup comes to us, He says, when you take the cup, it's not anymore to remind you of the blood of the Lamb in Egypt put over the doors. It's not anymore to remind you of that. It's to remind you from now on of my blood which is shed for you. Can you imagine being there celebrating that Passover meal and you've been doing it for years? And I'm sure there were some of them sitting there going, they were Baptists. We ain't never done it this way before. (laughs) You know, that's a joke, right? They probably didn't say that to Jesus. Let me tell you, it wouldn't be a good thing to say, okay? Imagine sitting there celebrating that meal, having heard this all their life, and all of a sudden Jesus says, No, this is my body I'm giving. This is my blood that I'm shedding to make this covenant for the forgiveness of sin. Notice what Jesus says there. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out. Some of you may have a translation that says shed. It's poured out for many. That word poured out is the key to understanding that verse. It's it's poured out blood. Can you visualize poured out? What happens when you take the water pitcher and you pour it out? Does a drop or two come out? No. There's a whole bunch that comes out. Jesus poured out His blood. Verse uh, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, we heard it earlier, says without the shedding, without the pouring out of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. I've heard people say most of my Christian life, all it took was one, blood of the blood of, one drop of the blood of Jesus to save sinners. You know, for a long time I believed that until I read that. I'm thinking, oh no, God says it had to be poured out. You remember those Old Testament sacrifices? They didn't prick the lamb, did they? They what? They cut its throat and that blood shed. And it wasn't just one lamb, it was many of them. And those priests would stand sometimes in the temple knee-deep in blood. Sacrificing for the forgiveness of sin. Jesus says, my blood was poured out. It had to be poured out blood. It had to be a life poured out. Notice verse 28, the words, for many. Literally, for the benefit of many. Who are the many? All who believe. Jesus died for many, not for a few. He dies not merely for a few, but for a multitude that no man can number from every tribe, tongue, and nation. 
Jesus died for the 9 million Jot people in India. And what is for the many? Notice what it says, the forgiveness of sins. In other words, His blood was poured out to bring forgiveness of sin. The sacrificial, blood-shedding, substitutionary death to bring about the forgiveness of sin is why Jesus came. Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper that night before His death. And from this point forward, this is what Jesus says you do to celebrate. You don't do the Passover no more. This is what you do. So Jesus... Here's what we... We don't need to miss. Jesus was headed to the cross to pour out His blood as a sacrifice for sin. And He instituted the bread and the cup as a memorial for all time that you and I would do that to remember the sacrificing, the self-sacrificing, blood-spilling death of Jesus for us. In a few moments when we take the bread and we drink the cup, we're, we're remembering. We're celebrating Jesus giving His body. We're celebrating His blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin. So again, when you take that wafer, you think, body of Christ given for me. When you drink that cup, you think, I'm remembering the blood of Christ that was poured out for me. Verse 29. Your outline says, Jesus promise. Verse 29. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. These words are a promise from Jesus. The promise is intended to strengthen the disciples' hope for the future. The promise is intended to strengthen our hope for the future. How long are we to do this? How long are we to celebrate the Lord's Supper? Look at verse 29 again. I tell you, I will not drink drink again of this fruit of the vine. That's just another way of saying the cup. I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until... The day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus is saying, keep doing the Lord's Supper until I do it with you in the kingdom. How long do we do it? Until Jesus comes back and we do it with Him in the kingdom. He's telling them here that He he was going to die. He's, He's telling them about blood being poured out. But He promises that He's coming again. He will come again to set up His kingdom. That's the promise that Jesus is making. I'm going to come back. I'm going to do this with you in my kingdom. And you can put yourself in the place of the disciples there. Jesus says, don't worry. I'll be back. Verse 29 is Jesus' kingdom promise to us. He's coming back. It appears that when Jesus comes and we enter into His kingdom, the new heavens and the new earth, we're going to do this with Him. Won't that be cool? To sit down with Jesus and partake of the Lord's Supper with the one who gave His body and shed His blood for us? We're going to celebrate this with Him. We're going to remember His sacrifice together. 
When we celebrate the Lord's Supper together as members of His church, we symbolize the day when we do it together with Jesus in the new heaven and the new earth. That's why we do it together. It symbolizes that unity pointing us to the day when we'll do it with Him together. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, we're remembering Jesus' sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sin, but we're also reminding one another of His promise. So when you take the bread and take the cup this morning, maybe out of one eye you glance over and you look and see somebody else doing it. You're reminding one another that Jesus is coming back one day when you do that. And the promise that Jesus gives is I'm coming back. This is a wonderful, glorious thing that Jesus assures us that He's coming back to set up His kingdom. You're remembering His body and His blood shed for you, but you're also saying to one another, stay faithful, brother. Stay faithful, sister, because Jesus is coming back. And here's what I would say to you. You may face trials which make you think it will never happen. You ever been there? Suffered and going, I don't think it'll ever happen. And Jesus, with his own divine authority, is saying, Don't you dare think that, because I will return and I will sit down and I will eat this meal with you in my kingdom. Jesus was 100% committed to death to bring about a promise for you. And you and I should never forget that. And Jesus did this knowing. Listen, Jesus did this knowing that one of His disciples would betray Him. He knew that all His disciples would abandon Him and that some of His disciples would even deny Him. Jesus knew all that was going to happen. And yet He still gave His body and still poured out His blood and still made the promise that He was going to come for those who would abandon and even deny Him. You remember the story of Peter, right? Peter denied him, right? But you remember what Jesus did later on? He said it with Peter, and what's the question he asked Peter? Peter, do you love me? Then what does he say? Feed my sheep. How many times does Peter or Jesus ask Peter that question? Three. How many times did Jesus, uh, Peter deny Jesus? There's a significance there. You know what Jesus is doing with Peter? Peter had denied him, but Jesus is restoring him. Peter. You love me, go feed my sheep. Go feed the people who will come to know me. He knows all this, and yet he says to those disciples, I'm going to drink it new with you when I come. And that should be an extremely precious promise to those of us who know Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. Let's pray.